You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 72. And today we're talking about one of the biggest challenges that most entrepreneurs face, and that's how to choose the right market. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome back to another Monday episode of the Thought Leaders Business Lab. I am so excited to be hanging out with you here today for another week and for another episode with another new guest. But before we jump into today's episode, which is a fantastic topic and I'll talk about it a little bit more in a minute, I just want to share a story with you about the determination and the resilience that we need to have as entrepreneurs, as business owners. And uh, you know, I just want to share this little story about the lead up to this particular interview, which actually started eight months ago. So I was over in the US and uh, I was at an event and talking to someone and they asked if I would be interested in interviewing today's featured guest because there was a new book coming up. I was super excited. I had read Ryan's last book back in 2015 and had done a little bit of work with him over the years and was really excited about, you know, the opportunity to chat to him on the show. So like I said, we started this conversation eight months ago back in October and around March, I hadn't heard anything. So I reached out to Chase Up and the initial email that I got back was, I'm sorry, Ryan doesn't have any spots left. And I thought, okay, okay, I can live with that. But I didn't take that as an absolute, that's the end. Anyway, a few weeks later, a spot opened up or a few spots opened up, which all of them except for one were in the middle of the night. Obviously, there's some time zone issues here. Whilst I could have got up in the middle of the night, it's not my preferred thing to do is do interviews in the middle of the night. I don't think I would be bringing my best. Uh, so I chose the one time that was very early in the morning, but, you know, it wasn't in the middle of the night. So I chose that one. And the week before, realized that that actually fell right in the middle of a trip that I was taking with my husband, Leon. We were driving, we were doing a road trip down to, from Sydney, down to Adelaide for my son's uni graduation. So for anyone that's in Australia will know that right in the middle of Sydney and Adelaide is not much. I, we were out in the outback and we'd actually stopped for the night in Hay. We always stop in Hay and have a sleep because the big trip across the Hay Plains is, you know, pretty boring. You don't want to be tired when you're making that trip. It's a, it's a pretty long drive. There's nothing out there. There's no telephone reception, you know, no internet, no mobile coverage. There's just nothing. So it's just get in the car and drive. So the morning that we had the interview booked in with Ryan, we left at I uh, think about quarter to four in the morning to make sure that we were on the other side of the Hay Plains. We would plan to be in a town so we could pull over, do a lovely video. And uh, it was 
I don't know how lucky I was that we had this blip about two hours later where we just got this phone reception, internet reception for about 30 seconds and a, and a, call, and a, a little message popped up saying, uh, Ryan's actually waiting for you. Now, we're in the middle of nowhere and what I realized is that I hadn't taken into account that the time had changed, that daylight savings had flicked over. And I'm not on Telstra. And as any of you Australians would know, if you're not on Telstra, there is no coverage out in out in the outback. So luckily, Leon owns on the Telstra network. So we pulled over on the side of the road. The sun had only come up. It was about 6.30 in the morning. I managed to uh, pair to his phone and we managed to do the interview. I was by the side. We were just pulled over to the side of the road. Through this interview, you may hear trucks going past. We were on the highway. There was kangaroos jumping around the car while, while I was doing this interview. It was pretty cool. And I was sitting in the car with my laptop on my lap and hadn't uh, really anticipated that I was going to be just jumping on a call that quick. So um, massive gratitude to Ryan and Ryan's team for being patient while I sorted myself out. And I just wanted to share that story with you because, you know, maybe sometime, next time something doesn't go the way that you want it to happen um, and you're saying something like, well, I guess it's just not the right time or it just wasn't meant to be that sometimes it's not that at all. Sometimes it's about sheer determination and resilience and knowing what it is you want and doing absolutely everything to make sure that that's what you get. So I just thought it was really interesting the way that all panned out and I wanted to give you a little bit of a behind the scenes into what happens sometimes in my life because it doesn't go as planned. But let's get into it because it is a great interview. Uh, I am talking with Ryan Levesque today. I'm talking about one of the greatest challenges that so many entrepreneurs face and that's how to find the right market or how to find a market that's going to be successful. So let me tell you a little bit, bit about Ryan. He's the CEO of the Ask Method and the number one national best-selling author of Ask, which was named by Inc. as the number one marketing book of the year. He's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Forbes, and Entrepreneur, and over 250,000 entrepreneurs subscribe to his email newsletter offering business advice. He's also the co-founder and investor in Bucket.io, which is a leading marketing funnel software for entrepreneurs. So today we're going to talk about the common mistakes in finding the right market for your business. So he's going to talk about the finding the right market for your business, and he's going to help you get the end results that you're looking for. He shares some tips so that you can determine whether your business will succeed or fail, uh, whether you've chosen the right or the wrong market so you can get that right before you begin. He's going to talk about the four different types of entrepreneurs and really help us understand the difference between each type so that you can determine which type you are so you can focus on the right market for you. And he's going to talk about the five market must-haves that separate successful markets from markets that will have your business idea fail. So without further ado, let's welcome Ryan Levesque into the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, Ryan. I'm super excited to be chatting to you today. Samantha, it's awesome. I love the fact that you are in the outback right now. This is truly a first for me. And it just goes to show that what we're going to talk about here today is applicable no matter where you are in the world, even in the outback. Totally. 
Totally. <laughs> I've never, ever done an interview in the Outback, so it's a first for you and me. This is Corey, totally off guard with this, with this time change, but we're both here. We're both going to show up. We're going to talk about some amazing, amazing stuff. Before we jump into what we're going to talk about today, I'd love you to let our listeners know exactly what it is you do and how you got here. So we're talking, yeah, let's just start there. Sure. You know, so for me, you know, I've been doing what I've been doing now for a little over 10 years. And like so many people, I started, I was in a job. I was working in a job. I was living in a box. I was working in a box. I was traveling in a box. I said, I don't want to be in a box anymore. 2007, 2008, a little over uh, 10 years ago now. And I decided that I wanted to start my own business. I wanted to do my own thing. My goal when I first started my business was I said, if I could someday make $10,000 a month, like if I can make $10,000 a month like that, you know, I would never want to work another day of my life. Like that's, that's yeah, it. That's yeah. all I can want. You know, that was like, the if I could build a would be singing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and here we are 10 years later. And just last year we passed uh, $10 million a year in our business, landed on the uh, Inc 500 list in America, the fastest growing companies uh, in America. And uh, we've gone into 23 different niche markets in the last 10 years. Wow. And along the way, uh, you know, amassed quite a few bumps and bruises, made a lot uh -huh. of mistakes, uh, made some money, lost some money, learned a lot of lessons. And really, that's kind of the focus of uh, my most recent book, Choose, is uh, the lessons I've learned along the way around the single most important decision and mistake I see people make when it comes to starting your business, which is the all-important decision of choosing the right market. Set yourself up for success. And I know you're in the outback right now, and I've done a bit of travel myself, and there's this metaphor that I like to use, but I think is really helpful when it comes to starting your business, and it's like this. When you start a business, it's sort of like, you know, uh, you decide to take your boat and toss it in the river. And uh -huh. you're expecting that river is going to get you to where you want to go. So for most of us, starting a business is going to give us, you know, freedom and the ability to make an impact and, and maybe leave a legacy, maybe something we can pass down to, to our kids and our family and, and a legacy that we're going to leave in the world. And I see so many entrepreneurs, they spend so much time focusing on getting the absolute best boat they can get and maybe even hiring a crew to help them with that boat and recruiting their friends and family to help with that crew. And they spend 18 hours a day rowing that boat. But if that boat is pointed in the wrong direction in that river, or worse yet, that boat is tossed in a river with no water in it, you're never yeah. going to get to your I saw so many entrepreneurs who read my first book, Ask, which you know is hundreds of thousands of copies, and I found that they were all making a, uh, uh, the entrepreneurs who were failing were making a common mistake, and that is they weren't putting their boat in a river that ever gave them a chance of getting to that destination. Mm, and that's what this mm. book is all about, choose. It's all about how to choose the right river, a river that's not too big where you're gonna get swallowed up whole, but not too small where you're gonna have to row, you know, 18 hours a day instead of river that has a current at your back propelling you forward to that destination to exactly where you wanna go. Totally, I love that metaphor. It's just so perfect. And, and when I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, yes. That is so exactly where so many people are. I've got a question for you. No, I have okay. read Ask. I remember came back 2015, I think, from memory. I read it. I thought it was great. Loved everything. What was it along the way between then and now? Because you, you talk about in Choose how people were implementing what you taught in uh, what you put in Ask and then you realized that there was a problem. 
So it's mm. almost like this is the prequel. At what point did you realise that there was a gap there and you went on this quest and this journey and this amazing, you know, all of this research that you've done, the information that you have in the book now? When you publish a book or you do a podcast or you put your creative work out there in the world, uh, inevitably you get people who reach out to you and say, oh my gosh, your work has changed my life and I've used this and I've used that. And it's great. It's incredibly fulfilling. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> when you write a book like Ask, you also get letters from people who say, uh, <laughs> Ryan, read your book. I followed exactly what you recommend and it didn't work. And you know, it causes you to second guess yourself, right? It causes yeah. you to think like, maybe what I teach doesn't work. Maybe it's not universal. And so it kind of led me down this rabbit hole to figure out why were people failing? Why was it that some people, like I talk about Jamal, like Jamal Miller, read Ask, that was making $17 an hour when he read the book and built a business making $600,000 a year. Or I, I tell a story of Charlie Wallace, who is making a few thousand dollars a month teaching guitar lessons online, pick up the book Ask, read the book, follow what I teach, and built a $2.2 million a year business. And so why was it that some people were able to have results like that and then other people picked up the book and failed? And it all, all roads led back to the same thing. They were mm-hmm. choosing bad markets. Mm-hmm. And you know, kind of led me to this question of like, well, what does it mean to be in a bad market? Like, what does that mean? What is the difference between a good market and a bad market? And so I started looking at every single one of the 23 niches that we went into and some were more successful than others. And so I started looking at, well, what was it that separated the ones that were really successful from the ones that were just kind of, you know, okay, that didn't really, you know, knock it out of the park. I started looking at the same with my students and clients and looking at what was it that separated the ones that were really successful from those that failed. And what I realized, uh, Samantha, is that it all came down to seven factors. Three years of research led us down this path where we discovered seven factors that separated what we call a green light market versus a market that was a red light, which means don't proceed, or Mm -hmm. a yellow light, which means you can proceed, but proceed with caution. Mm -hmm. And that's what this book is all about. It's all about what are the seven factors and then how do you take your market, maybe the market you've brainstormed, the the business you're thinking about starting. If you don't have a business and you're trying to get some ideas how to brainstorm those ideas or your existing business that you're in right now and how do you run it through these tests to figure out is your market one that you should pursue, one that you should maybe week or move in a different direction or one that you maybe need to start back at the drawing board and Mm. begin from the beginning. Totally. Now you talk about this book being for four different types of people. What I'd love Mm. you to do is share who those people are because there's people that are going to be listening that I know will resonate with one of these four types of people. Yeah, you know, so there's there's two ways I'd answer that. So if I if I actually, you know, I have the book in front of me right now for anyone who's um, uh, listening to this. And there's a dedication that I, I start the book with. And I say, if you've ever had a crazy dream to start your own business, if you've ever dreamed of your own thing, if you've ever failed or lost it all on something in the quest to shake the status quo, if you have something right now that is changing the world, but you don't know where to take it next, or you're simply trying to figure out what you want to do and who you want to be when you grow up, this is the book I wish someone had written when I was where you are right now. In short, this book right here is for you. So if you're any in, in any of those situations, this book is one that I think will be helpful. Now, in that quest that I mentioned, that research process to discover you know, what separated the most successful from the least successful entrepreneurs, I've been spending a lot of time so far talking a little bit about the external factors, right? The, the right market, the right niche. But I also discovered that there are internal factors. And these are the four 
types of people that you're referring to from the book. They, I discovered that there are really four types of entrepreneurs. And they, as I, as I describe these four types of people, for anyone listening to this right now, I encourage you to think about you and which of these best describes you and which one you most resonate with. So the first type of entrepreneur I discovered was what we now call the mission-based entrepreneur. So mission-based entrepreneurs are the type of person who they've got what I call a cause they die on a hill for, right? A wrong that they want to make right in the world. Um, yeah. I share Christy Kennedy's story in the book, and she's someone who had a, a son who was born with autism. And uh, when he was in elementary school, he was bullied. And yeah. she had to do about it. She had to step in and do something about it as a parent. And it kind of led her down this path where she wanted to eliminate bullying from her child's school, which led her to maybe think a little bit bigger and say, well, what if I were to eliminate bullying from all elementary schools in America? And that led her to build this entire business around this one simple idea, eliminating bullying from elementary schools. And she's mm. been served thousands of schools around America. And it just started with this simple mission. Now, that's a mission-based entrepreneur. Now, not everybody has a mission like that that they would fight for. There's another type of entrepreneur, which is what we call the passion-based entrepreneur. So I mentioned Charlie Wallace a moment ago. Charlie is a, a, a musician. He's a guitarist, and he wanted to um, transform his passion for playing the guitar into his vocation, a way to make money. So we started teaching guitar lessons online and built that into a multi-million dollar business. So uh, the passion-based entrepreneur is someone typically who has a hobby, a passion, an interest that they want to transform into a way to make money. Now, the mm -hmm. difference between passion and mission-based entrepreneurs is subtle but important. Mission-based entrepreneurs want to move people away from something negative in the world. Passion-based entrepreneurs want to move people towards something positive that they love. So there's a mm. subtle difference and people yeah, tend to great distinction. one of the other. Now, not everybody has a mission or a passion. There are also what we call the third type of entrepreneur, the opportunity-based entrepreneur. Now, opportunity-based entrepreneurs are kind of like entrepreneurs in the most classic sense of the word. They're the type of people who see something in the world around them and ask themselves, why is it that nobody has solved this problem before? So an example that I share in the book is Dana Olbermann. Dana and her husband, Mike, uh, built a company called Sleep Sense, where they teach parents with newborn infants how to get their kids to sleep through the night. Now, if you've got young kids or uh, you remember the days when you had kids, when nobody's sleeping at night, like it is not a very pleasant home to be in. So no, that is, is the biggest mission ever, really, isn't it? <laughs> Exactly. And so she looked online and there wasn't a whole lot of um, uh, information and education on if you've got a child who isn't sleeping through the night, what do you do? So okay. she started diving into the scientific research and dying into the medical, diving into the medical research. And she stumbled across these methodologies that she'd never heard of before that worked for her. Okay. She had a friend of hers who came over and was struggling with the same issue. And Dana said, well, why don't I try to help you guys with that? Well, before you know it, one thing led to another, and she built this little business out of it. Well, fast forward today, and she's been on uh, Good Morning America. She's been on the Today Show. She's been featured in national media, and she and her husband have helped hundreds of thousands of uh, families get their uh, newborn children to sleep through the night. So it wasn't something that was a mission of hers or a passion of hers. It was just this opportunity that kind of, you know, she asked herself, why is it that nobody's done this? Let's build a business around this. That's a third. Yeah, yeah. Now, the fourth and final type is actually the bucket I was in when I founded, when I first started my business, which is what I call the undecided entrepreneur. Uh -huh. Now the undecided entrepreneur is a type of person who, you know, you know, you want to be your own boss. She knows she wants to start her own thing. She knows she wants to start her own business. She just doesn't know what. And that's who I was. I just, I knew I wanted to be my own boss and start my own thing. I just didn't know what it was. And I was all over the map. Now yep. for the undecided entrepreneur, I recommend in the book that you start with something that we call a practice business. 
right? Just like, you know, you're in the car right now. And if you think of the first car where you learned how to drive, right? It probably wasn't your dream car. It no, probably it definitely wasn't was not. <laughs> forever car, but yeah. you learned the skill of how to drive that served you to this day and will serve you for the rest of your life. And a practice business can serve that same goal. It can serve this void that teaches you how to start a business, even if it's not your forever business. Okay. Now, for me, I started a, a practice business in the jewelry space, teaching people how to make Scrabble yes. tile jewelry. I share that story. I, I did another practice business in the orchid care space, teaching people how to care for their orchids. And neither of those businesses were things I wanted to do forever, but uh-huh. they were businesses that allowed me to focus on the process. And in the case of the, the, the orchid business, the business that we grew to over half a million dollars a year in revenue. So you never know where one of these practice businesses is going gonna, is gonna to start. Um, So the book is a mix of identifying a market that is going to fill your bank account, but also building Uh a business that allows you to fuel your soul, right? And build a business that fits with your personality, that fits with, you know, what type of entrepreneur are you? Are you more mission-based? Are you more passion-based? Or are you a mix of the the four in some way? Mm. And so it's a mix of introspection looking internally. Um, at your goals, your desires, your dreams, what type of lifestyle is important to you, but at the same time, making sure that you choose a market that's going to set you up for success, a river that's going to take you to that destination that you want to arrive at. And I love the way that you've broken it down into those four, because I think, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me off the back of that, that a lot of people teach, start a business that you're passionate about. I'm sure you didn't have a huge passion for that first jewelry business that you, that no. you founded from Etsy, but there was different passions that you tapped into in your personal life that had you following that to get to the end destination. So I really like the way that you've, you've pulled that journey together that sometimes don't think about that passion as being the, the business that there are other, there are other ways to look at it. Absolutely. There's a light side and shadow side to every one of those types. So if you're uh-huh. mission-based, the thing you need to watch out for mission-based entrepreneurs tend to struggle with making money. Because they believe so much in their mission that they put that forward. They do it at the expense of actually making a profit. Now, passion-based entrepreneurs, the shadow side that you need to watch out for is taking that thing that you were once passionate about and transforming it into something that you lose your passion for because now it's become your job. Opportunity-based entrepreneurs need to watch out for building a business that they have no connection to. You need to watch out that one day you don't wake up and say, why did I spend the last 10 years of my life doing this? Um, and undecided entrepreneurs, you need to watch for out for staying in that dreamer state, that analysis paralysis that plagues so many of us, where we just constantly swim in that warm water of comfort of someday, maybe I'll start uh-huh. this thing. Uh-huh. So there's a shadow side that you need to be aware of. And starting with that self-discovery, that journey of understanding yourself and being aware of those tendencies that you may have, it allows you to overcome them and make sure that you build a business and enter a market that is going to serve you in the highest way possible. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing because I think it's really great to know, let's just not focus on the light, but there is this other thing that can creep up and we can Mm -hmm. use that to self-sabotage or it will sabotage our success. So that's fantastic. Now, in the book, you talk about the five market must-haves and the depth you went, I know that we can't do that today and that's why you've written the book, but... I was, I was listening to the audio book and I was driving along and I've been in business 26 years. So I kind of know my stuff and I was listening to it and still went, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is gold. So I would love it if you could share these five market must-haves because yeah, yeah there's a lot of gold here. 
For, for sure. You know, so in that quest to identify the what separated markets that were successful from those that were not, um, one of the factors that we identified is what, what we call these five market must-haves. So um, these are things, and as I'm walking through them, uh, if you're listening to this right now or watching this right now, I'd encourage you to think about your market and ask yourself, are you checking off all these boxes or is there one or more gaps in the market that you are pursuing? So first market must have is you want a market that is what's called an evergreen market. Evergreen market is a market that we define as being relevant 10 years ago and relevant will be relevant 10 years from now. Now it's in contrast to a, a fad market. Now I learned this the hard way. I mentioned the first business that we went into when I say we, my wife and I started together uh, was in the Scrabble tile jewelry space. So teaching people how to make Scrabble tile jewelry. Now that business was the first business that we started. We started it because my wife was, uh, this is like in 2007, 2008, come across this website, which was brand new at the time called Etsy.com. Obviously it's a huge mm -hmm. site today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Back in the day, tiny little site. Anyone not familiar, Etsy is like uh, eBay for handmade products, right? So if you're a crafter, a knitter, a, a jewelry maker, you can sell your products on this site. So she'd come across this jewelry that was selling like crazy, which involved combining Scrabble tiles from the game uh, with origami paper. And okay. at the time we were living in China, we we're living in Hong Kong. And she said, Hey, Ryan, you know, we're in China. We have access to all this origami paper. We could set up a little factory in Southern China, manufacture the jewelry, and we could import it into America. And like, how great would that be? And uh, very quickly I said, well, honey, time out a second. The whole reason why we want to start this business is like you're doing right now is we wanted to travel. Like we wanted uh -huh. to be able to go anywhere. And, you know, we don't want to be tied down to a factory, certainly not in like heavily polluted Southern China. So yeah. we closed the book. And then a few weeks later, she, she, bring, she brings it back up and she says, hey, honey, remember that Scrabble tile thing? And I said, I thought we closed the book on that idea. She said, no, no, time out, time out. Take a look at this woman's shop on Etsy. She showed me her shop. She said, look, she's not making the jewelry. She's teaching people how to make the jewelry. Check it out. She's selling a digital tutorial on how to make the jewelry. And look at her sales. Now, if you're not familiar, the cool thing with Etsy is you can look at anyone's sales history and you can see exactly how many sales they're making every single day. So mm -hmm. we looked at her sales yesterday the day before that, the day before that, we went back like a month. We're like, oh my gosh, she's selling like 30 copies of this tutorial a day at like 30 bucks a piece. She's making like $10,000 a month selling this yeah. little tutorial. And she That's has crazy. no expenses. It's digital. There's no like, you know, there's no supplies. There's no nothing like, oh my gosh. And my wife bought it and she's like, it's not very good. It's like, there's, <laughs> it, was, it was made on like Microsoft Word. It was super homemade. So she said, I'm going to learn how to make this jewelry. So if uh -huh. I learn how to make this jewelry, will you help me and we'll, we'll sell a tutorial, we'll build a better mousetrap. And so we did that. Uh -huh. First month, we sold a couple of copies and then a few hundred dollars. Next month, we're selling a few thousand dollars, a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Finally, we're making like six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month selling this tutorial. And we're like, I remember turning to my wife and we're like, we're going to get rich. Like, this is crazy. And then literally the next month, Samantha, our sales went down to almost nothing. And... It was in that moment I learned the importance of not going into a fad market. Just mm -hmm. like Beanie fidget Baby. Fidget spinners, I know that you spoke about. Yeah, um, fidget spinners. Yeah, it's one of those markets that just took off and then overnight just totally crashed. Yeah. And at this point, quit my job. We had run through basically our savings. My wife was in grad school, so she wasn't making a, an income. And we had this moment where we looked at each other and we said, oh, crap, what do we do now? In the next market that we went into, the orchid care market, I wanted to make sure that we went into a market that wouldn't go away anytime soon. 
And so I did research. The oldest hobby in America that's been around forever is, is, the, is the hobby of gardening. So I started looking at submarkets and niches within the gardening market. We settled on orchid care. And that business today, in contrast, so the Scrabble tile market disappeared. The orchid business, that website that we started over 10 years ago, to this day, still pays for most of our living expenses. Wow. It's a business we took from nothing to $25,000 a month in 18 months and over half a million dollars a year. It's what we call a metronome market, right? If, you, if you're a musician, a metronome is that, you know, the, the device, that chick, 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 it just, every, it's just stable every year. It just, just goes on and on and on. So, yeah. so I learned the importance of that. You want an evergreen market. That's the first thing. But it's not enough to be in an evergreen market. I thought that was the key. And then I entered a bunch of markets that were evergreen, some of which completely failed. And I learned the importance of making sure that you go into an enthusiast market. Now, an enthusiast market is in contrast to a problem solution market. A problem solution market is a market where people, they go in, they solve a problem, and they never want to think about it ever again. An example would be something like uh, wart removal. If you have a wart on your hand or your foot or whatever, um, you know, you, uh, is that in Australian English, is it also yeah, yeah, called a wart? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yep. You do it, it's done, it's gone, you never want to think about it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. There, so it's that you're not signing up for any Facebook groups, you're not signing up for any email newsletters about, oh, you know. Definitely not doing that stuff. <laughs> you're done with it, right? Um, and the problem if you go into a market like that is you constantly have to chase after new customers. Right? You constantly have to find a new customer. You fix this person, this customer, and then you got to find another one. Versus in an enthusiast market, the idea is that you find a customer that you can sell to the same customer in the same market over and over and over again. So examples are you know, things like orchid care, people who have orchids, uh, guitar, uh, relationships, even markets like weight loss. Most people think weight loss is a problem solution market, but if you know anybody who's been in the weight loss market wanting to lose weight, um, I can say for myself, like my, you know, uh, my, my dad bod, <laughs> you know, is something that I, it's like, I've, I've always struggled with it, right? It's like, I'm always trying to, it's not something that's ever going away. It's not like I solve yeah. it and I've moved on. It's, it's a, it's yeah. a thing that most people are consumers for in that market for years and years and years. So that's the second yeah. thing, but it's not sufficient to be in an enthusiast and evergreen market. You also need to, market must have number three, solve an urgent problem in the context of that evergreen enthusiast market. What I mean by that is this. You can't go into a market like uh, guitar playing or orchid care or dog training is the classic example I use in the book um, and just start selling stuff. You have to yep. find what is that bleeding neck problem in the market. Now in the mm -hmm. dog market, an example would be potty training a puppy. So we got, we got a puppy uh, last year, uh, a rescue, a little chihuahua, um, four and a half pounds, which is, what is that? Uh, yeah, uh, not two, much. Two yeah, kilos. Like two kilos, <laughs> two, yeah. Two kilos of home protection. Um, yeah, you know, not, yeah, not much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, but, um, but I learned the, you know, I learned bringing this, the, the, the uh, puppy into the home that potty training is a pretty big problem. Like if your doggy is peeing on the rug and peeing on the, on the sofa and the bed and the laundry and the floor and everything like that, that's an example of what I describe in the book as a $10,000 problem, a problem that people not necessarily will spend $10,000 to solve, but it's a problem that is a big problem that people will wake up and say to their spouse, honey, we got to solve this now. Like this can't go on anymore. And that's mm -hmm. what you're looking for in your market. You're looking for what is that $10,000 problem, the urgent problem in the context of that enthusiast evergreen market. Now, when you do that, when you solve that urgent problem, it leads you to the opportunity presented in market must have number four, which is future problems. 
You want to market ideally where when you solve that first problem, it sets you up to be the trusted advisor for life for that person. So in the dog market, if you imagine if, if, if you had a dog that you have, you're having potty training issues and someone helped you, say I helped you potty train your dog using a, my secret technique, well, mm -hmm. naturally the next time you have an issue with your dog, whether it's barking or biting or pulling on the leash or learning a trick or whatever, uh, you're going to come back to me and say, hey, Ryan, you were so helpful in solving this first issue. Now I've got my dog that's barking. Can you help me with this? Absolutely. And you can become that for your customers as well. You solve that mm -hmm. first problem and then you can become their trusted advisor for life. So you want to make sure you have a market that there are future problems, that there are mm -hmm. other things that you can help people with over time. You know, look at this market, right? Whether it's um, serving entrepreneurs. First problem that uh, every entrepreneur that needs to go through is choosing the right market, right? Who's, gonna, mm -hmm. who's your niche? Who is your who? Yeah. Once you yeah. solve that, once you decide who you're going to serve, the next problem is, well, what do you create? And that's where the ask method comes in, right? So you can see this is an example of uh, a market that, um, that, that we've identified that follows our far five market must-haves. And it leads us to the fifth market must-have, which is uh, being in a market that's filled with what we call PWMs, players with money. People forget this. So you important. I know. You How can't can you sell the people. <laughs> yeah. You can't sell the broke people, right? And I think so many people, they struggle with this because they say, I want to help. There are yes. people out there that need yep. me and I want to help them. But here's the thing, right? You can't do any good in the world if you can't do well financially. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. You can't yeah. sell the broke people. If someone can't put a roof over their head, if they can't put food on the table, it doesn't matter if what you have is transformational. You're not going to be able to serve people if you can't make a living yourself. Mm. If you can't pay for your uh, living expenses, if you can't pay for your team and everything that you need to build that business that's going to support people. So you need to be in a market that's filled with what we call PWMs, play players with money. Now, players with money doesn't mean necessarily selling to millionaires or billionaires. Mm -hmm. Players with money means identifying a market where people spend a disproportionate amount of their income in that area of their life. Mm -hmm. Now, you probably have an area of your life where you spend like a disproportionate amount of your income right, right. relative to others. Like for me, I know I spend no more than $10, $15 on a haircut. Like that's it. I'm just a simple haircut. That's, $10, that's it. Done. But I buy a new Lego set pretty much every single week because I'm a huge a full an adult fan of Lego. And my boys, huh? four and seven years old, and I, like we are obsessed with Lego. It's our thing. So I have an unlimited Lego budget. So if you are in like the Lego market, you sets, collectibles, like that's an area of my life that I spend a crazy amount of money. Most people have some area of that life. So what you're looking for is a market, like golf is a classic example. If you know any golfers, golfers spend crazy amounts of money. Um, yeah. Guitarists, another great example. Guitarists spend all sorts of crazy money on equipment and new guitars and they'll spend money on lessons. They'll spend money on concerts. They'll spend money on, you know, all sorts of guitar experiences. So that's another great example. You contrast like a, a market like the yachting market where there's a huge barrier to entry filled with PWMs versus the chess market. Now, chess is a, is a hobby that you could basically spend $20 to buy a chess board and never have to spend any money for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Versus yachting or boating or sailing, what, you need a, a, you know, a boat. You've got to pay for boat repairs. You've got to, if in the yachting, you know, fuel to, you know, petrol to, to, and gasoline to, yep. you know, to fuel the boat and just all the things involved with that. You can see the contrast in those markets. So yeah. five market markets. You want a uh, evergreen market 
number one. Number two, enthusiast market. Number three, solve an urgent problem in that market. Number four, future problems that you can solve. And number five, a market filled with a high concentration of PWMs, players with money. So that's the first uh, factor that we identified. Love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for sharing them. Now, I'm very aware that we are running out of time. Yes. <laughs> now, I think oh, well I'm a big believer that everyone needs to read this book I it is absolutely fantastic and I believe that just for our listeners today that you have a special offer for them I'd love you to yeah. share that yes I'm just looking at my screen right now because I know we set up a special link so here's what I want to do I know we didn't have enough time to I know you're in the middle of travel um, I, I'm in the middle of a whirlwind uh, uh, schedule right now and uh, to get our schedules aligned on opposite corners of the world oh, like this was like it was ridiculous map, so. wasn't it ridiculous <laughs> and then we had time zone changes in the mix of it and everything like that so i know i know it's been challenged but i wanted to um do something special for your audience because i know we weren't able to cover everything in the book and that's this i want to uh, uh give away a free hardcover copy of the book and i will ship it to your doorstep anywhere in the world all I ask is that you cover a few dollars uh, to cover postage and handling, shipping and handling. So whether you're, you know, in the outback, whether you're in, uh, you know, my backyard here in Texas, in the United States, uh, if you're in Europe, wherever you are, I'll ship it to you anywhere in the world. All I ask is that you pay a few dollars shipping and handling. And to really make it a no-brainer, I'm going to do a few things super special for your audience. Number one, I'm going to hook you up with a free uh, copy of the audiobook. Um, I know a lot of your listeners like to listen, like as a way of uh -huh, learning, uh -huh. um, whether it's like listening in the car or at the gym or on the go, whatever it needs. So I'm going to hook up, uh, hook you up with a free copy of the audiobook. That's the first thing. Second thing is one of the biggest questions I always get is, um, so Ryan, there are these factors that separate successful markets from unsuccessful markets. What are examples of markets that check off all the boxes? that check off the five market must-haves that fit in something we didn't have a chance to talk about called the market sweet spot, mm. the mm. size of market you want to be looking for, the competition sweet spot, so how many competitors you want to be looking for, all these factors. What are examples of markets that check off all the boxes? Uh, well, I went into 23 different markets and I had a private list, super secret list, of all the markets I would go into, basically my entire like business plan, my game plan. And I made the decision to a few years ago, focus 100% of my effort and energy on teaching other entrepreneurs. Like I believe that's my mission. I believe that's my, my mission in the world. I believe that's like my, the purpose of, of, of my life is to help other entrepreneurs launch and build a business of their dreams. Um, and so I kept this list in a vault secret and I decided to, for the first time ever, reveal this list. And so what I wanna do is give away this list of my 25 niche markets, the exact markets I would be going into in 2019 if I had the time. And I just want to give that list to your audience. Wow. So they can wow. take, they take the list if they want, pick one on the list, or use it as a comparison tool to compare their market to one of those. Mm -hmm. So that's the mm -hmm. second thing. Third and final thing that I want to do is, again, I want to make it a total no-brainer. And I know so much of starting a business and even expanding your existing business is a, it's a head game. It's a mental game. And um, my academic background, like what I studied in school before launching a business um, in the States was neuroscience. That was my major. That's what I studied. Mm -hmm. And I've always been obsessed with psychology and the neuroscience of success. And so what I did is I put together 17 mental hacks based on science to help you overcome all the head trash, the most common challenges I see people run into. Things like fear failure, analysis paralysis overcoming self-confidence, self-doubt, 
all the stuff that I've had to overcome myself to go from, you know, literally, you know, 400 square foot apartment, no money at all to building a $10 million a year business. These are the things that I've learned along the way. It's a training that we sell separately for $199. I'm just going to give it to you guys. I'm just going to like give it to you for free. When you grab a copy of the book, it's um, you're not going to see this deal on our website. Like if you Google my name or Google, you're not going to see it anywhere. It's just a special link for for your listeners only. It's choose the book.com forward slash business lab. So choose the book.com forward slash business lab for limited time. If you go to that link, I'll ship a free hardcover copy of the book and give you access to over $200 in bonuses. Um, really just my way of, of saying thanks for, um, you know, the opportunity to have a short chat and share this with your audience and really as a way to get everything else we haven't been able to cover in this interview into the hands of your listeners so they can take this information and actually um, implement and use it in their business. Wow, that is so generous. Thank you so much because like you said, there is so much in the book. We've only spoken for such a short time. We didn't get to cover most of it. So guys, I'll have that linked up in the show notes, obviously. So if you're walking along, don't panic. Just click the link in the show notes and you'll be able to get straight to that. But Ryan, thank you so much for your time today. I know you're on a crazy busy schedule. Congratulations on the book and the launch. And uh, I look forward to speaking again soon because I'm sure there's going to be something else that amazing that comes out. We're absolutely going to have to do that. And who knows what uh, part of the world you'll be traveling to when, uh, when we speak next, but I'm looking forward to it. And again, Samantha, thank you so much for the opportunity and looking forward to chatting soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders Inner Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab.